again, we thank you for being a part of our service today. And as we get ready to get into this word, our heart's desire, our whole belief is that God is going to reveal himself to you in a greater way that will cause you to be a greater kingdom citizen of heaven. Let us go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We're going to be looking at the fourth through the 16th verses today. And we're continuing on in our series called Masterpiece and Progress. And as you're turning to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the first verse, I just want to remind you that a masterpiece is something that is a uh, done that has a superior quality or an extraordinary skill. It's something that takes time in order to establish. It is time. It is uh creativity is expertise it is not an instantaneous thing a masterpiece takes time and a process in order to progress it to become the masterpiece and that is why we're on this series because we want you to understand that there's coming into the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God the citizenry of it the responsibilities of our citizenship is a process. As we begin to grow and become more of what God has called for us to do, we become a greater citizen in the kingdom. And so the book of Ephesians, is, which is the book that we're covering, using this under the auspices of the Masterpiece in Progress, we want to look through the book of Ephesians, and like I said, we're on the fourth chapter right now, and we're going to discuss what Paul pulls or mentions in this fourth chapter to help us to become the citizens that God wants us to be. Our foundation scripture, or our, our yeah, our foundation scripture is Ephesians, the second chapter in the 10th verse, the New Living Translation. And it says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's always had this in his plan and he just wants us to position ourselves to fall in line to what he has planned for us. So let us look at Ephesians, the first chapter, I mean, Ephesians, the fourth chapter and the first verse. In the English Standard Version, it says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave apostles, 
He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with it, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, all that is to say, quite simply, that Paul wanted us to be encouraged to, number one, work on our character, our character. And as we work on our character, it will cause our gifts to manifest. And so once our gifts become present or known, then we begin to operate in the gifts that we are given. Then he wants us to be focused on operating in the knowledge of the truth. And finally, he wants us to operate in the greatest of the characteristics, which is love. And so the first thing that he wants us to focus on or to look at is character. Have you ever played the game Monopoly? Now, the thing about the game of Monopoly is you've got this one corner of the board that you can either land on or get sent to, but the issue is it causes complications. You know what that corner is? It's not the go. Nope. It's the jail corner. But in the deck, there is a card called what? Get out of jail free card. Everybody loves it. And when somebody gets in trouble, the way I used to play, I used to get that get out of jail free card. Somebody go to jail, I'd be like, I'll sell you this card. And if they were really short on cash, they'd be like, oh, I don't have enough cash. I said, well, how about if I go ahead your next two turns, I get, I get uh, half, of, half of your earnings for that turn. And, you know, if they're really trying to get out, they'd be like, oh, okay. Now, there's a difference between your earnings and just going past go. I'm trying to teach you a trick now. So you just keep track of all their properties that they have. And every time they go around, all that money they made, you get half of that. So you're going to get a little bit more than $200. Just a little. That's why I don't play Monopoly no more. Because I, I, yes, I'll take all your money. And then try to take all your properties. And then try to take all your cars. Game of life either. I can't play that either. I ain't got the right mentality. I'll be trying to take everything from everybody. But anyway. Kind of went down sidetrack. But my point is, just like in the game of Monopoly, some folks believe 
that becoming a Christian is so that you get a get out of hell free card. That's the only thing they want. I just don't want to go to hell. So they think that accepting Christ into their lives now gives, gives them this get out of hell free card. But that's not the purpose of salvation. That is an occurrence because you now have a relationship with God. Because you have accepted Christ, now that you, because you've been reconciled, that is what occurs. Hell's no longer something that should be even a consideration for you. But there are some citizen requirements, some things that you should be doing because you are so thankful that now hell is not even a consideration for you because now you live in a new kingdom. So we have to realize that God's whole idea of manifesting salvation in our lives is to begin a conversation, no, a conversion from the inside out. And as he is converting us inside, it causes us to interact with others differently on the outside, which then causes them to want to become part of the kingdom. So with this conversion that's going on, the things, like the old folks used to say, the things I used to do, I don't do anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say anymore because I have been changed. And uh, there's an old song that said, I looked at my hands, my hands look new. I looked at my feet, my feet did too. And because when God starts changing you and you start operating in the power of that change, your perception, your perspective becomes different. So you can have an issue with or you can wonder if a person that says they're a Christian, but they don't have any change in their lives, whether the change is really a change. Now, I know somebody's not going to like that. But when God comes into your life, he starts this inner conversion, which takes you out of the darkness and brings you into what is called his marvelous light. And his marvelous light is likeness, how the kingdom functions. Likeness. So the light brings likeness. So we want to be conformed interiorly to the image of Christ. And then our exterior becomes conformed to the image of Christ. So the first point that we have to, to work on is our character. How is our conduct? And character means how do you act when no one else is looking? That's what character is. Character is how are you conducting yourself when no one else is looking? I remember when I was little, and mama would just have made some cookies and she'd be set them on the little cooling thing and you walk up in there and what you do, you look around and you stick your hand up there and you feel them, make sure they're not too hot and then all of a sudden that cookie just stick to your fingers, don't it? And the only way you can get it off is to get it, you have to bite it in order to get it off your fingers. 
Guess what? That's still stealing. Because you didn't ask, right? I'm just saying. But now, a person of character says, Hey, Mom, can I have one of these cookies? And she'll say yes, or she'll say no. They need to cool a little bit more, or whatever. But that's what character does character if you operate in integrity that means you want to be a person of your word if you want to be truthful if you want to be honest that doesn't mean when you're just around people that means even when you are uh, introduced to something that could be taken negatively or positively and you still do what is considered the right thing so we have a generation or we have a group of people that had decided that I have this specific way that I'm going to live on Sunday because that's church day. And then I live a different way the other six days of the week. Well, that's what that's a term that we have in society called dualism, which means you're trying to play both sides of the coin. But that's not how a kingdom citizen is supposed to operate. A kingdom citizen is supposed to operate under the power of the Spirit of God. And as the Holy Spirit is guiding us and leading us, it will guide us away from the things that are not truthful, that are not honest, that are not uh, showing us or revealing kindness. It's not showing love. It's not showing hope. It will maneuver us. But sometimes we don't listen to God's Spirit and it guides us to those things and we gravitate to them and then we end up not being a good reflection of the kingdom that we belong to. If you look straight ahead, nobody know I'm talking about you. Oh, but since you're at home, your husband or wife or your children probably looking at you. But don't just keep looking straight ahead. They, stay, they won't know that, you, that I'm talking about you. And so as we, we look at this, we have to... position ourselves we have to push ourselves to know God more personally we have to pursue through prayer through reading the word through fellowshipping with other believers and I'm not saying that our fellowship is is to do a, a tattletale session I'm saying we're supposed to be building up one another we're supposed to be driving encouraging one another to live righteously to live as kingdom citizens to live with character so that God can be glorified so that we can be those good citizens that everyone should de desire to be then Paul in this in this section of scripture he, he, he reminds us about the fact that God gives us the gifts that we have not because of anything we've done, just because of how good he is. He says that this, his spirit gives us these gifts that we have in order to please God. So God gives us these gifts so that we can be pleasing to him. It's not to make us all that in a bag of chips. It is to cause God to be pleased with our conduct. The issue is when you have these gifts that God has given us, if your character is not in the right place, you will use the gifts that God's given you for selfish gain. You will use the gift 
to maybe manipulate. You will use the gift inappropriately if your character is not established, is not positioned to be a character of godliness. So we want to ensure that our first thing that we are focused on is making sure that we have a character that is in line with God's word because we have spent time with God personally through prayer, through fasting, through reading his word, from uh, fellowshipping with other believers to do what God has called for us to do. The Bible says that the gifts of God, that God's given them to you and he's not going to take them back. And so the gift is the thing that he's given you. And it's also a responsibility that he's given you in order to use it for his kingdom. So the next point that Paul brings out of this is the fact that one, uh, my note says one of the measures of our maturing is our knowing and being confident of the truth. So much so that we aren't confused by every kind of false teaching. And that we understand and know truth for ourselves. That when somebody comes and tells us something, it doesn't cause us to be, oh, like, like you, know, the, the, you know, the world is falling in. Because we have studied for ourselves. We have a good understanding for ourselves. Remember. Proverbs 4 and 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. But in all our getting, get an understanding so that we can tell folks about the hope that lies within us. And the hope that lies within us is the truth. And we want to be able to articulate that truth to others to let them know that we have the truth with us. There are people that I have heard things, a whole lot of different things about uh, the Bible uh, and, and the Bible was used to manipulate it. And, and, and that is true. But that's not the truth of the intention of the Bible. Because folks didn't know the truth, they made things sound like they were true. But once folks began to discover for themselves, they realized that it wasn't true. One of the greatest examples in biblical history is Martin Luther when he wrote his 95 thesis and put them on the door of the church. Because he came to a realization that the church was saying that we have to do these things, but he says, no, those things come to us because of God's grace. There's nothing that we can do to deserve them. But they made folks think that penance and, and all these things were required in order for us to be in right standing with God. And Luther was like, no, that's not true. We can't be in right standing with God by anything that we do because Christ is the standard by which we get in right standing. And so we had a great falling away from the church at that time and they called them the Protestants because they didn't want to follow the Roman Catholic direction. But it's important for us to know the truth. You've heard this many times in the church and outside the church, the truth will set or make 
you free. And so we want to mature into Christ, have a good understanding to be able to walk in truth. In fact, that was part in John, the 17th chapter, that was part of what Jesus prayed for us. He said, pray. He said, I pray, God, that they father, that they know truth because your word is truth. Jesus said, I am not going to leave. I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you unattended. He says, God, the spirit of God is going to come and he's going to reveal to you, speak to you, guide you to all truth because the word is truth. So in order for us to enhance our character, to have a godly character, we have to understand what is truth. And what is a fact or what is something that seems to be the way everything is, but contradicts the way God says that we're supposed to do business. One example that just came to my mind. When somebody hits you, you're supposed to put the one, two on them, right? That's not what Jesus said, though. Jesus said that you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Now, I want to add this. I'm not adding to the word, but I want to add to your understanding. When you are assaulted, that does not mean that you just stand up there and take it. You protect yourself. But he's talking about when somebody attacks you, you don't try to overpower them and attack them. You try to defend yourself, but you don't try to take it to another level and try to hurt them. Just protect yourself. So if you're in a situation where a person says, if I slap you, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. You, you can say, yes, I agree. But the connotation that it is saying is that I'm not I'm supposed to protect myself, but I'm not supposed to try to cause you any harm. I, but I, I do have a responsibility to protect myself. Then they, then they reconsider slapping you. All right. One of the things that I, I make sure that, that I have on my phone on have access to is a, a program called the Bible app in the Bible app. They have these different uh, devotionals, these different Bible study things. When you're sitting around doing nothing but vegging, you can kind of pull your Bible, the phone open, pull out your Bible app, kind of get, get a little reading in. There's some devotionals. There's some things that you are concerned about growing in. It's there. It's available for you. There's a lot of ways so that you can make sure that you have truth constantly going through your spiritual system. Because if you don't allow truth to be constantly going through your spiritual system, then when the deception comes, it gets to run through wholeheartedly through your system and then it can become true to you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is the truth. And the final thing that we're going to look at today 
is that he says that we are, should not be like children that, you know, you can tell kids almost anything. A lot of kids, you can tell them almost anything and, and they'll believe you until they find a process or find out that it's not true. Uh, in fact, my son and my daughter and my wife, we were talking about um, one of my grandkids upsetting his kindergarten class because he went in there and proclaimed that there's no such thing as Santa Claus and it caused an upheaval. Some of us use the tooth fairy. Some of us use whatever things that we're using in order to uh, give justification for some of the things that we do. But I come from the, I come from the, the, the line of folks that, hey, just tell them the truth. And then when they hear somebody else try to tell them, then it becomes, yeah, I already knew that. The truth always stands, y'all. The truth always stands. Because we don't want to give the enemy, the devil, any toehold in our children. Well, if your parents lied to you about Santa Claus, what else did they lie to you about? They lied to you about the tooth fairy. What else did they lie to you about? They lied to you about the boogeyman. What else did they lie to you about? And whatever thing that we try to use. The boogeyman's under your bed, so stay in your bed or he going to get you. Or you can just say, stay in your bed because I told you to, or you're going to get in trouble if you get out. I'm just saying. Let's tell the truth. All right? But we want to not be like children that's tossed to and fro by everything that's being said. We want to be those mature folks that are speaking life, that we are speaking love to those that we encounter. And that's what he says in this 15th verse of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Rather, speaking the truth in love, which means... I'm going to tell you the truth and my intention in telling you this truth or my whole uh, purpose in telling you this truth is to make you better. Because I'm concerned about you, not because I have ill will or anything against you, because I want you to be better and in a better circumstance and a better place. I'm going to tell you this truth, but I'm going to say it in love. Not in anger, not in trying to tear you down, but lovingly with care. A lot of times we forget to put the in love on that. We're just going to tell them the truth. And it ends up causing more complications. But if you put that prepositional phrase in love on there and say, I want to treat them. If I wanted to know this and I didn't know, how would I want somebody to express it to me? That's what I'm going to do. And it says we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. So we are to grow more and more until we come into the conformity of who Christ is. So we become more like Jesus in everything that we do. 
from whom the whole body, meaning the whole body of Christ, all those gifts, all those ways of thinking, all that is joined together. We're joined together by the love that Jesus showed toward us by dying for us on his sins. And we're healed together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. And then it's got that prepositional phrase in love. Love covers a multitude of transgressions, of faults. Love conquers. Love has the ability to defeat a person, but also bring them in simultaneously. Because love is not intentionally trying to destroy a person, but trying to make them better. And so I wanted to finish up with this right here. If you have been that person that has been looking at your salvation as the get out of hell free card, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to more assertively seek God's face through prayer, through Bible study. Get the Bible app. Find the devotional that you think will help you to become more uh, stronger in your character so that you can become all that God wants you to be. God is concerned about your inner person, what we call your heart. He's not concerned about how as much about how you conduct yourself on the outside, because that's what people are looking at. They're looking at your outside. But God's looking at your heart and the intentions of your heart. And if you have Christ in your life, he will help you to become more of a godly character, of a heaven, kingdom, citizenship type of character that reflects God in everything that you say and do. That's my challenge for you today. Please. Please. And for those of you who are maturing and you're working on your character know this that the the more that you are able to grow in truth the more your gifts will grow in your life and in your ability to affect others and you can become a valuable asset to the heavenly kingdom our whole desire is for us to be the best kingdom citizen that we can be. Just like Paul said, lock in our character, work on our gifts, work on knowing the truth, but most of all, do everything in love for one another and for those outside the body. If you don't know how to do this, that's why it's important for you to come together with other believers. Whether it's by a video, whether it's by the online system, once, once the uh, restrictions get lifted, come into fellowship with other believers. You have to make the effort to do this in order to achieve what God has for you. Remember I said this was planned long ago. 
This is a plan that God has had for you long ago. He just wants you to get yourself in position so that you can go do and be all that he has set up for you to go do and be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Oh, before I, before I close out. If you don't know Jesus, if you have never made a decision to accept Christ as your Savior, today is as good a day as any to do that. It's not a hard thing. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. God says, whoever calls upon my name shall be saved. Salvation has no physical requirements. Because grace has already been positioned for you. And all you have to do is accept the gift that God has given you. And if you do that today, please let us know so that we can provide you with different uh, information to help you along, to help build your character, to help get you established in this kingdom so that you can get all that God has for you, all that he's planned for you from a long time ago. Now let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your desire is to cause us to conform to the image of your dear son that you will be glorified in all things and that you're, you want us to grow so that we can use our gifts for your glory and that our gifts are not only measured our maturity is not only measured by our gifts but how we love God and love others Father, let us walk in the power of love. Let us walk in the power of character. Let us walk in the integrity of your word, that you will be glorified in all things. We thank you. We honor you, God, for this opportunity to come before your presence and to glorify you. Now let this word fall directly onto our hearts and that we will grow thereby and that you will be glorified in all things. We thank you. We honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.